The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. Good morning. It's good to be with each of you again, and I want to begin by just expressing my sincere thanks for the opportunity to come and to share with you this past eight weeks. The time has gone by very, very quickly uh, for me, uh, but it has been such a blessing uh, to be with you, to share God's Word. Uh, it's, it's always a blessing to preach uh, to the Lord's people, but I've been especially blessed this summer, and I appreciate your, uh, your kindness, your hospitality, and um, please know that you will be in my prayers as you uh, welcome your pastor back and as you seek God's face for the future for this church and this community, seek to be salt and light here, you will be in my prayers. Um, I'm just very appreciative uh, for the opportunity to be with you. Well, I want to ask that you take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to John chapter 3, John chapter 3, verse 22. John chapter 3, verse 22, a handout was provided uh, in your newsletter this week. If you have your, your iPhone, you can access that, or you can just follow along. You don't necessarily need the handout this week like you may have uh, last week. It's a bit of a more uh, simple outline. But John chapter 3, verses 22 through 30 is what we'll be looking at. John chapter 3, verse 22. John Bunyan was a nonconformist pastor who lived in the 1600s in what is today Great Britain. A nonconformist was simply one who did not conform to the teachings, to the theology, to the regulations of the Church of England, which was the dominant uh, church at that time in Great Britain. Uh, John Bunyan was put into prison for about a 12-year period on and off because he refused to follow the laws and the regulations of the Anglican Church. One of the laws was that you could not worship outside your parish. If you can imagine maybe being confined to worship within a, a certain geographical space, uh, Bunyan was, was confined, was supposed, supposedly confined in that way, but he chose not to follow that law. He was also restricted from preaching without the uh, approval of the Anglican Church, but he felt very convicted to share the gospel beyond the confines of his area. He, shelt, he felt very convicted to preach the gospel. And so Bunyan was imprisoned for about 12 years, and this was a very humbling role a role in which he was restricted in his ministry. And yet in this humbling role, the Lord allowed him to minister in great ways. If you've ever read The Pilgrim's Progress before, one of the most influential books that's been produced uh, in Christian history, he began that work when he was imprisoned. You know, as I think about John Bunyan and I think about the role that he found himself in, it was a humbling role and yet God used him in great ways. I think about a role that God placed John the Baptist here in John chapter 3. You see, John had come preaching that the kingdom of God was at hand. He came preaching that he was to point people to the Messiah. And in this humbling role, John had to step back. John had to get out of the limelight, and he had to allow Jesus Christ to step forward and to be more visible. John had to decrease while Jesus increased. It was a role that God placed him in in order to point people to Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about the role that God has placed you in, but every believer here has been placed in a role, whether you're a small child, whether you're an older adult, God has placed every single believer in a special role 
and he wants you to be used to point people to Jesus Christ. Maybe that role is as, as a worker in a, in a business. Maybe it's your job that God has called you to serve uh, and minister and to point people to Christ. Maybe it's as a Christian husband or a Christian parent or a Christian mother. Maybe it's an interacting with certain friends. But God has placed every believer in a special role, and in that role, we're to point people to Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you this morning about the special role that God has called you to. It is not just like the role that John the Baptist had. It may not be a role of suffering like John Bunyan had for 12 long years, but all of us as believers have been called to a special role, and in that role, God wants to use us to point people to Jesus Christ. Listen to what is recorded here in John's Gospel, John chapter 3, verses 22 and following. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John the Baptist also was baptizing at Anon near Salim, because water was plentiful there, and the people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, or teacher, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Father, we come to that time in the service today where we look to your word and we seek to hear from your spirit. God, this is such a wonderful passage in which John decreases and he seeks to increase Jesus. Lord, where he understands the role that you've given him and he seeks to point people to the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. God, help every believer who is here this morning to understand the role that you've called him to. Lord, it may be a humble role, it may be a difficult role, but God, in the role that you've placed them, help them to point people to Jesus Christ. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Well, in John chapter 3, verses 22 through 30, John accepts the role that God has given him. It is a role in which he decreases and the Messiah increases. It is a role in which he steps out of the limelight and the Messiah takes center stage. Now, if we were to take all that John says in this passage and distill it down very simply, we could do that by putting all that John says into three simple statements. And the first statement I think John says is, is that I accept the role that God has given me. John understands he has a role. John understands he's called to do a specific thing. And he says, I accept the role that God has given to me. Now, as our story opens, we find that John is with his disciples in the Judean countryside. And John is, and his disciples, they're baptizing. People are coming to him. They're thronging to him. They're flocking to him because they're attracted to the message that John has to share. And we also uh, understand that, that people are being attracted to Jesus. 
a short distance away. And as they come to Jesus, they're being baptized. And John chapter 4, verse 2 tells us that it's not actually Jesus himself that is baptizing people, but it's the disciples of Jesus who are baptizing those who are coming to Jesus. And so if you can imagine this picture, Jesus is with his disciples, and people are being baptized, and John is with his disciples, and people are being baptized. And, and there is an aside that John shares with us. There's this, uh, there's this uh, Jewish person who comes to John's disciples, and he begins to argue or debate with them about ritual purification. Now, we don't know the nature of their debate. We don't know exactly what they were talking about. They could have been talking about maybe the difference or the legitimacy of John's baptism as opposed to Jewish purification rites. We don't know exactly what they were talking about, but they're engaging in debate. And at one point, the disciples of John notices that more people are going to Jesus. They're, they're thronging to Jesus, and they're leaving John the Baptist, their master, their teacher. And look what they say to him in chapter 3, verse 26. They say, Rabbi, which means teacher, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing, and all are going to see him. These disciples of John are upset. They're upset because they love their master. They love their teacher. I don't know how long they had spent with John the Baptist, but, but you know what it's like to, to have a good teacher or a good leader who, who you respect, who you admire, who you believe teaches the things of God. And, and you, want, you, want to, you want to promote them. You want them to be held up as very significant. But then all of a sudden, your teacher, your leader, is decreasing in popularity. And maybe that results in you decreasing a little bit in popularity, too. And they see that these many people are going over to Jesus, and they're being baptized by his disciples. And so they exaggerate a little bit, and they say, everybody is going over to Jesus. John understands completely what is going on. He didn't need them to tell him. And we know that because, listen to what he says in chapter 3, verses 27 and following. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Basically, John says, God has given Jesus a special role, and he has given me a role, and I accept the role that God has given me. My role is to point people to Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want you to miss this. I know that you've probably read this many times, but I don't want you to miss this. John does not show envy like you and I would envy. I mean, you and I get upset when people compliment someone with us and they don't compliment us, right? You know what you're like. I'm the very same way. We want people to notice us. We want people to be impressed by us. And yet John will have none of that. There is no envy in John's heart. He's not upset at Jesus. He's not pouting like you and I pout. John understands his role. And he understands that that role is to point people to Jesus Christ. You know, we've all been at a wedding before. We've all attended a wedding. I attended a wedding a few weeks ago. And uh, we noticed that there is this, uh, there's this act that takes place at the wedding. It's called the giving away of the bride. Like the father gives away the bride. In fact, I was at a wedding just a few weeks ago, and I, I saw this take place. And uh, the, the father was there. The, the father's daughter was there. And the question was asked, who gives this woman to be married? And he said, my mother and I do. And the bride was given away. 
And to whom was she given? She was given to the groom. Now, can you imagine what would happen if you were at a wedding and the best man stood up and got upset when this took place? I mean, something would be wrong, right? You'd be wondering, okay, what's going on here, right? I mean, I would be wondering the same thing. That's not what the best man should do. Why? Because that's not his role. He understands that his role is to be present, and it's the groom's role to receive the bride. And this is how John the Baptist explains his role. In fact, he uses this very illustration, the illustration of the best man. Listen to what he says there in chapter 3, verse 29. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, meaning the one who gets the bride is the groom. The friend of the bridegroom, the best man, who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy is mine and is now complete. You see, in that day, the best man was kind of like the wedding director. The roles were mixed up a little bit, but the best man, he was there. He was there to make sure everything went just right. He had prepared. He had arranged for things to, to go just right. But he understood that at the end of the day, it was the groom that received the bride. And so when this happened, he rejoiced rather than become angry or to pout. John understood the role that God had placed him in, and he rejoiced that he was able to point people to Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question this morning. What role has God called you to fulfill? What role has God called you as a believer to fulfill? Maybe it's a role at work. Maybe God has placed you in a role where you are a supervisor, or maybe you're an employee, or maybe God has given you a new task at work. You know, a lot of times in the Christian way of thinking among some Christians, they like to separate their work uh, from, from ministry, and yet your work is the ministry that God calls you to. That is a role that God calls you to serve Him and to serve others. So you have a role at work. You also have a role in the home as a father or a mother to provide spiritual leadership to your children. As children, as older children, to provide spiritual leadership to your brothers and sisters, to obey your parents, uh, to grow in the Lord. We have roles in the home. We have roles at work. We also have a role in the church. We shouldn't think of our roles necessarily just individually, but think of the role that God has placed you here in this body in. Maybe you're an elder. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. Uh, maybe you're a greeter. Uh, maybe you're a member of a class who is to encourage others. That's a role that God places you in. Maybe you're in a role in a particular relationship. Maybe God has brought someone into your life, a lost person, and for a season of two weeks or four weeks or half a year, you're going to take on the role of a witness to point them to Jesus Christ. You may not realize this, but God has called every believer to serve him in a special role. It may not be like John the Baptist's role, but he's called each of us to a special role, and he wants us in that role to point people to Jesus Christ. Now, what might that role entail other than pointing people to Jesus Christ? Well, there are all kinds of tasks that God gives us. It might be confronting people over their sin. It might be in calling people to repentance. Uh, it might be to take a stand for Christ, even though those around you reject Jesus Christ. It might be to be a peacemaker in a context, in a family, or, or somewhere where there is disharmony and disunity. There are all kinds of tasks that God calls us to and the role that he brings us to fulfill. John the Baptist did many of these things in his ministry, and God calls us to do many of these things and even more. But he calls upon us to fulfill the role that he has given us. 
Some of you may be here this morning, you may, you may be thinking, Michael, thinking, Michael I, I don't know what my role is. I don't know what God wants me to do. I haven't gotten a light from heaven. God hasn't spoken to me audibly through his word. I don't want you to make this more difficult than it actually is, okay? And we shouldn't make this more difficult than it actually is. If you want to know what the role God might have for you to do, simply look around you. Look at the people that God has placed around you to minister to. That is a part of your role. Look at the way that God has gifted you. I mean, some of you can speak well. Some of you have great ability in this thing or that thing. It's a role. It's, it's gifts that God has given you to fulfill the role where you are. Look at the relationships where God has placed you. God wants you to minister to those people around you. Look at the spiritual needs around you. Look at where people are spiritually, either lost or struggling with this or that. Identify those who need to hear Christ. You see, God has called each of us to a unique role. I can't fulfill your role. You can't fulfill my role. I can't do what you do. You can't do what others can do. And yet God would have us to see ourselves as his instrument where he has placed us to point people to Jesus Christ, to magnify the Messiah, to cause him to increase and that they might be saved. Was John is speaking with his disciples, he makes a very profound statement. He simply says, I accept the role that God has given to me. And you and I should seek to accept the role that God has given us and to point people to Christ. But there's a second statement that John makes, and it's this. I find joy in the role that God has given me. I find joy in what God has called me to do, John says. Now, look again at what he says there in chapter 3, verse 29. Let's read this again. I've read it before, but let's, let's look at it again. Verse 29 says, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. John was again referencing a tradition in weddings in the first century. Uh, the, 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 the best man was the one who planned the wedding, who coordinated the wedding, who worked very hard that the wedding would be all that it should be. He had a huge responsibility. But there was a point where the groom arrived and everything took place and the bride arrived and everything took place. And if everything went according to plan and they were united, he rejoiced. He was thankful because the, because the groom was experiencing the blessings of marriage, the blessings of matrimony. He found great joy in his role because it brought joy to his friends. In a similar way, when we fulfill our role, we should find great joy in that people are pointed to Jesus. Like, like the best man of ancient times in a Jewish wedding, we should rejoice at the role that God has given us. What role has God placed you in? Furthermore, do you sometimes struggle to find joy in this role? Why is it that you and I may struggle in the role that God has placed us in? Well, we may struggle sometimes because people misunderstand what God has called us to do. We have a specific role that God wants us to fulfill, and people may question our motives or just completely misunderstand what we're trying to do on behalf of the Lord and his kingdom. You've been there before. I've been there before. You try to do what you feel God wants you to do, and you're completely misinterpreted. You're completely misunderstood. Sometimes we fail to find joy in what we do because people discourage us with criticism. You know, none of us are perfect in what we do. 
none of us are as gifted or as talented as other people. And sometimes as we seek to fulfill this role and we try to do what God has called us to do, people can nitpick over what we do and how we do it. I could do it better, is what they say. Well, I would have said this or I would have done that. People can sometimes become very critical as we seek to fulfill our role, and it just takes the joy out of us as we strive to follow the Lord. Well, this leads us to an important question. How can you and I find joy in our God-ordained role? How can you and I find joy in the role that God has called us to, ministering to others and pointing people to Jesus Christ? Well, I think one of the ways that we can find joy is by recognizing that we are in the center of God's will. When you and I understand the role that God has called us to fulfill, when you understand what God wants us to do in the life of others to promote Jesus Christ, to advance the gospel, you and I can find joy when we understand that we are in the center of God's will. Understanding that he has called us to serve him and that all we're doing is obeying him. You see, when you're in the center of God's will, you appreciate that God has placed you there in that role, that you're obeying him that you're doing what he's called you to do. And then you can find joy in doing the will of God. Last Sunday, I, I left here, and uh, as I was preaching last Sunday, I I'd had a decision that I had to make. Uh, God, I'm trying to be very uh, general here without saying too much, but, but God had placed me in a specific role, right? And God had placed a decision before me in fulfilling that role. And so I had a choice, do this or do that. And I struggled. In fact, I didn't sleep hardly at all last Sunday night because I was struggling to do uh, God's will. And then finally I came to the point where I said, look, God, you have placed me in this role. I know exactly what you want me to do. And there was such peace. There was such joy when I recognized the role that God had placed me in. And I found joy in knowing that I was doing the will of God. Listen, you may find yourself in a role that is not glamorous. You may find yourself in a role that causes you to be greatly humbled. You may find yourself in a role where you are criticized, where you're misunderstood. But you can find joy in that role when you say, God, I don't care what people think. I don't care what the consequences are. I want to be in the center of your will and then you're able to find joy. I don't know where you are this morning, maybe you're struggling to fulfill that role, but there is nothing like being in God's will. The freedom, the joy that is there, it provides us great strength and encouragement. And so one of the ways that you and I can find joy in, in fulfilling God's role is by recognizing that when we're in that role and we're doing things as God wants us to do, we're in the center of his will. But a second way that you and I can find joy is by remembering that God is with us. If you have been called to a role by God, if he's given you a task, maybe it's witnessing to someone, maybe it's, it's providing a, a, a godly example in a place that is very, very ungodly. I don't know what role God may have called you to, but there is great joy that is found in understanding that you are not alone. The Lord is with his people. The Lord does not expect you to fulfill your task, to fulfill your role in your own strength, by your own ability. He has given you his spirit, who is his empowering presence in your life. Listen, if you are thinking that you fulfill your role by yourself, by your own might, by your own strength, by your own ability, you're thinking like a secular person and not like a believer. The believer is never alone in fulfilling his or her task. The believer has the Spirit of God with him to empower him and to strengthen him. Be encouraged. 
and find joy that God is with you. But you know, there's a third way that we can find joy in our God-ordained role, and that is by looking at the example of Jesus. Jesus found joy in the role that God had called him to. And what role was that? That was the role of going to the cross. That was the role of dying on behalf of sinful humanity. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I, I've never, never seen this before, but, but have you seen this, what the writer is saying? He, he's saying that there is the task, there is the role of Jesus, and it is marked by joy. Even the suffering that he endured, even the difficulty that he experienced, this was the joy that was set before him and the joy that was pursued. And that is how Jesus was able to find joy is by understanding exactly what God had called him to do and the specific nature of this task. You and I can find joy in what we do by remembering that we're in God's will, by remembering that the Lord is with us, and then by looking and following the perfect example of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if you understand you have a role, if you're even conscious of that role. I think there are probably some of you here as well, maybe who know your role and yet you're struggling because of opposition from fellow believers, maybe because of discouragement from non-believers. Listen, I want to help you look to Scripture to understand how you can have joy. Understand simply that you're in God's will, that God's Spirit is with you, and that Jesus will provide the perfect example for you as you strive to live out that calling that he's called you to fulfill. Well, in speaking to his disciples, John the Baptist says, I accept the role that God has given me. And second of all, John says, I find joy in the role that God has given me. But there's a third statement that John shares with us here. And John simply says, I must become less important than Jesus. I must become less important than Jesus. Meaning, as I seek to fulfill this role, as I seek to do, to do God's will in my life for this season of my life, Jesus must be exalted and I must become obscure. Jesus must, must become well-known and I must become one who fades into the distance. Listen to what John writes here in John chapter 3, verse 30. John the Baptist says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Aren't those beautiful words? Aren't those profound words that John shares with us? John simply says that Jesus must be exalted and I must take the back seat. John understands that Jesus is to become more prominent and he is to become less prominent. Well, we see this very clearly, this example of John's humility, not only here, but we find it also elsewhere in an encounter that he has with some people who came to try and figure out who he was. If you would look over chapter 1, verse 19, I don't want to share with you a lot of other passages, have you turn many more places, but I do want to share with you one passage that I think very much highlights the spirit of John, the humility of John, his desire to decrease, and his desire to cause Jesus to increase. Look at John chapter 1, verse 19. John chapter 1, verse 19. What we have here are some priests and some Levites who have come from Jerusalem, they have left Jerusalem, they have been sent by the religious leaders, they've been sent to the wilderness to, to meet John, 
to figure out who John is. And this would have been probably the early days of John's ministry. And people aren't, some people aren't sure who he is. Some people aren't sure what his role is, what his motives are. And so this delegation of, of Levites, this uh, delegation of these religious leaders, they come to him trying to determine who exactly he is. And John records in John 1.19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, Who then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he's, they're probably asking, Are you the prophet in the line of Moses that is mentioned in Deuteronomy 18? Uh, and he answered no. And they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. And they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. This is just another illustration of John, the humility that he demonstrated, his desire to decrease and his desire to cause Jesus to increase. My daughter is involved in musical theater. Some of you maybe have kids, or maybe you've been involved in musical theater before, and she's had different roles in musical theater. Uh, sometimes she has had a leading role. Other times she has had a less prominent role. In the leading roles, she talked and she sang a great deal. But in, in the minor roles, she really didn't say very much. Maybe she just uh, said a few lines, or maybe she just sang. But she had to know her role, and she had to know how to fulfill her role. You know what's true of great actors and actresses? They have to learn when to be prominent, when to take the prominent roles and to speak, and when not to be prominent and when not to speak. They have to know when to stand up. They have to know when to enter the stage, when to exit the stage. They have to know when to fade into the background and to allow someone else to take a more prominent role. In a similar way, you and I as believers, we have to be like great actors or actresses. We have to know our role. We have to know our part. And there are times where we speak, and there are times perhaps when we are very prominent. But there are other times where we have a very, very minor role. John understood the minor role that God had called him to fulfill. It was a role where he appeared, he pointed to people to Jesus, and then he disappeared. John understood his role. He understood that role perfectly. You and I as believers have to understand that we're not the star of the show. We have to understand that the goal of life is not to make people impressed with us. The goal of life is not to have people give their full attention to you and me. But rather, as believers, we play our part. We play our role with the hope that people will be pointed to Jesus. That's the role that God called John to, and that's the role that he calls us to as well. He calls us to show humility, to decrease that Jesus might increase. You know, that's not always easy for us to do as believers. It's not always easy for us to point people to Christ. Rather, it's more natural for us to point people to ourselves. Why is that? Well, because we're human. It's easy, it's human for us to want people to notice us, to pay attention to us. Second of all, it's difficult because sometimes the humble role is not always appealing. 
I mean, let's be honest. It's not always desirous for you and me to take an unglamorous role where we take a back seat or where people don't even know how we're serving or what we're doing. Now, you've been there. Some of you have been there where you've had a more prominent role in ministry and then you've had a less prominent role in ministry. And it can be frustrating sometimes when other people get the credit. It can be frustrating sometimes when people don't even know all that you're doing when you've done so much and worked so hard. And yet sometimes that's the role that God calls you and me to. It's a humble role where we point others to Jesus Christ and receive very little recognition, if any. This is exactly what John the Baptist did And this is what God calls us to do as well. If you think about it, Jesus gives us this perfect example of one whom we can look to, to know how to walk in humility, how to take our role humbly. Jesus, if you think about it, he showed his humility by taking the form of a man. He took on the role of a human. And Jesus experienced all the things that humans experience. He was born as a man. He was tempted and tried as a man. He experienced many of the same difficulties and hardships that we as people experience. Jesus took on this humble role. Jesus also took on a humble role in that he took on the role of Savior. He died for those who were sinful. He died for those who were not worthy or deserving of his forgiveness. Jesus did that because he was humble because he understood what God had called him to do for the greater purpose of bringing salvation to all the earth. Christian, do you understand your role this morning? Do you understand that God has called you to a role? Maybe you've got sidetracked. Maybe you've been uh, maybe redirected because of corona or because of difficulties in your life. But God has called every believer here to a special role. And that role In that role, we are to point people to Jesus Christ. Christian, do you find joy in this role? I'm not suggesting that it's always easy, or I'm not suggesting that it's always enjoyable, but you and I can find joy when we look to the example of Christ, when we understand that God is with us, and when we understand that we're obeying the will of God. Christian, are you seeking to decrease so that Christ may increase? Are you seeking to become less prominent that the gospel that Jesus, that all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done as Savior and Lord and Messiah can be held high and held before people that they might receive eternal life. God wants us to serve him in the role that he's called us to. And you and I need to be mindful of that, humble ourselves like John, and seek to fulfill that role. Would you pray with me? Father, we're thankful for John the Baptist's example here in the Scriptures. God, you had called him to a very difficult role, and yet, Lord, he humbled himself that Jesus might be exalted and that people might find salvation in him. Father, I pray for individual believers here in this church. Lord, maybe they've been distracted. Maybe they've gotten off track. God, maybe they've gotten off mission in the role that you've called them to. Lord, bring them back to the task that you have called them to do, that special, unique role. God, that place of ministry and the relationships you've placed them in. Help them, Father, to be faithful where you've placed them, that they might point people to Jesus Christ. And Father, if there is one here this morning who doesn't know you, who doesn't understand who Jesus is, they don't have that personal relationship with Jesus. Father, I pray that you would help them to see that Jesus played a role of Savior and Messiah for them. And God, if they will turn from their sin, place their faith in him as Messiah, He'll be Lord of their life. 
Father, I pray that your word, as it goes out this day, it might accomplish your purposes in, those, in the lives of those who hear it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.